Today, we're starting a new series. Um, the last few years, you know, 20, we got to 21 last year. We were all so excited because we were thinking, man, it's going to be a different year. It's going to be so much better than 20. Anything's going to be better than 20. And it, I think it was better, but it was surprisingly how much we still, still dealt with the same thing. I don't remember Groundhog's Day, the movie with Bill Murray in, in like uh, February 2nd, which by the way, February 2nd this year is 2-2-22. Kind of a crazy thing, but it's, it's kind of felt like Groundhog's Day. Um, it just kind of, last year seemed to kind of repeat itself. And as Pastor Nate prayed this morning, we don't know what 22 holds. Um, there's been a lot of things that has caused such angst. It's caused such division. Um, you know, there's so many things that we, you know, we just used to couldn't talk about politics at the uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, table. Now you can't talk about any, a lot of other subjects too. There's just a lot of things that we don't agree on. In the last two years, we, we can't agree on a lot, but I think we can all agree on this. We're tired. <laughs> We're tired from the last couple of years. And uh, it's been exhausting. No matter where you stand on different issues, it's tiring, it's exhausting, and I think we can agree on that. There's even a thing out there that I've read about recently among the medical community called compassion fatigue. Where those in our medical community and all the great work that they're doing, uh, it's so overwhelming, uh, there's a compassion fatigue out there that they're just, they're seeing it so much. And here's the four stages. I'm not going to unpack those four stages. I think they're kind of identify themselves. The first stage is the idealistic or the zealot phase. That's when you first get into a new job. When I first got into the ministry, it's like, we're going to change the world. And, and then when you first kind of get into the medical field, I'm not in the medical field, but you're like, man, you're willing, you're available, you're committed, you're going to do everything that you can to help people be healthy. The second stage is withdrawal, just to taking a step back. And then the third stage is irritability. Um, and, and the last stage is zombie. I mean, you just kind of you stepped into something and you're just kind of, you just kind of checked out. And I guess there's a thing in the medical community, probably other fields as well too, called compassion fatigue. And so today on this first Sunday of January in this new Welcome Home series, we wanted to welcome you home to a place of rest. In fact, I just want you to take a deep breath. I don't know what, you know, if you've been here many times and you, you kind of know what to expect, maybe it's your first time. I just want you to take a deep breath and we want you to rest today. We want you to, we want you to be recharged. We want you to think of church as, as a home, as a family, a place to come home to, a place to recharge the batteries, a place to reboot. reboot. Um, for us even, having college-age daughters that come home, we've noticed their names start with R's. So it's Reagan and Riley. And we said R and R's come home for some R and R. Um, it's obvious because they kind of sleep in uh, when they're not on trips. Way later than, I remember those days when you could sleep that late? Uh, and, and today, we're talking about a home as a place to find rest. And I want to share with you, I think, the greatest invitation that Jesus gave. The greatest invitation that Jesus gave was, I believe, found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Just a few short scriptures today for us, but packed with so much. And really, I want to highlight four words today that we're going to spend some time on this morning. But the first is this, is, and I'll just kind of circle this with my finger, but the four words that I want to highlight is, come to me. So come is the first invitation. Jesus is inviting us. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take 
It's the second word we're going to focus on today. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Uh, actually, we're going to spend more time on this next week, that home is a place to grow. But we're going to spend a little time there today to learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find. Anybody looking for rest today? Anyone looking for peace? Anyone looking for a, a sense of, of calm in their, in their spirit, in their world, and in their soul? Find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first word in his invitation is to come. This invitation that, uh, and, and, and come find me, come find rest. And when you think of rest, that's not take a nap, you know. Don't, I'm not looking for you guys to take a good nap here in the next 30 minutes. Um, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not talking about, you know, the sleeping in. Rest isn't always a, a physical state, but it's, it's, it's coming to a person. It's coming to Jesus. And, you know, really, I think about our college kids, these 28 that are in Atlanta today and are going to start this conference. It's called the Passion Conference because they're, they're receiving this invitation to come. They're, they're all coming in the name of Jesus. 65,000 young people from around the United States, I don't know if Canada as well or other parts of the world, but 65,000 uh, gathering in uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium or whatever that is where the Falcons play. Uh, they're gathering for the purpose to come and find rest, to, 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 to reignite their passion for Jesus, reignite their passion for, for life and that passion we find in Jesus. It's this invitation and the word come is actually a prevalent word in the, in the scriptures, in the Bible. Uh, Jesus is the one that said, come to me. He also said, come let us reason together. I love this one. Come let us reason together. This is in the Old Testament actually. Come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. But we think about the snow out there on the ground today. We think about the, if you have put a color to, to sin, it's a dark, it's a dark scarlet stained red. It, it, it is a stain, and you know how hard it is to get blood out of things. Uh, but Jesus, the blood of Jesus, when we come to him, he said, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. I'll make them as white as snow. That's a great invitation. Jesus is the one that said, come follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. That was his invitation to his disciples. And it's also his invitation to us. There's this come to a new life of hope. Jesus is the one that said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Jesus wants you to have a full life. That doesn't mean a perfect life. That doesn't mean an easy life. Uh, that doesn't mean a no problem life. We live in a broken, fallen world. We have problems. We have sickness. We have death. We have things for which Jesus came to die and restore. But we, we're going to have those things. But he wants us to have life. Jesus wants you to have an abundant life. And so often we go to a Western world definition and we think abundant life means material possessions and money and, and, and things, and that's not what life is. I, I've, I've known people that have had very little and had life, and I've known those that have much in this world that don't have life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So the, the, the real important part of this is Jesus says, come to me. That's the key. Where are we going to? Where are we coming to? 
we go to a lot of places. We spend a lot of our time chasing after a lot of things. But Jesus said, if you want to find rest, come to me. Come to me to find rest, to recharge, to refresh. So I want to invite you today. The first part of this is some practical ways to come to God. Some practical ways to, if you'll put God first in your life, a lot of other things just seem to fall into place. Again, life isn't perfect. It's not easy street. But honestly, I sit here today and I go, how do people make it in this world without Jesus? How do they, how do they go through it when they go through sickness without Jesus? When they get bad news, how do they do it without Jesus? How, how do people how, go through the, the experience of death without having Jesus and without knowing that Jesus is going to be there? And so I want to give some practical ways to come to God today. And uh, the, you've heard me say this before if you've been around here a while. Um, and you'll hear me say it again. Uh, someday when my ministry is gone, I've, I, I, I stole this from another pastor friend. Any good idea, actually, has probably been stolen from some other uh, pastor or friend or whatever. But this this idea of to divert daily. The second, we're going to put them all up and we'll come back to it. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. I heard this about 10 years ago, and it just made a lot of sense to me. That this is a way that we come to God. Divert daily. If you'll hit the second one, we'll, we'll go ahead and hit them and we'll talk about them. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. Uh, what, what, is, what do I mean by that? Uh, if there's one thing the devil wants to do, he wants to distract us. He doesn't care where that distraction comes from, whether it's good things or bad things. He wants to distract us. And one of the ways that we can center ourselves and come to Jesus is to divert our time, be intentional about our time, to divert daily. I'm thinking about it in this way. I'm thinking about, think of your life as a car. Uh, think of your life as a car that you really take good care of. I'm sitting here looking at you, Damon, and we're planning uh, yesterday, your, your dad's funeral on Saturday. And, man, there's some great car stories. So I think it was, a, if I'm getting in my mind, the 64 Chevy. Uh, the 64 Chevy was his first, and he had one of two brand-new cars in his life, his dad. And uh, the, the 64 Chevy was one of the new cars, uh, was a new car that he took really good care of. So much so uh, that when it rained or when it snowed, he had a one-car garage, I think back on 6th Street. These details are just coming to my mind. Um, I wasn't planning on this, but you're just right in front of my face. I can't help but think of it. So uh, it, when, when it would rain or snow, uh, the car would go in the garage, and he would call a taxi to go, to go around town, to go somewhere else, because he's going to take really good care of his car. So think of your, how more important your body is, how more important your soul is, how more important you are than, 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 than a car. So think of your life as a car. And what do we do to take, care of a, to take care of our vehicles if we're going to take care of our cars? Uh, one is you got to drive it. You actually, it's healthy and good to drive your car. If your car sits for very long, it's not going to start. Three years ago when we first sent Reagan up to school in Chicago and after a, about a five or four or five week winter break, she went back and not surprising to us, she called us and said, my car won't start. Um, it had been sitting out for four and a half weeks in freezing cold temperatures, and the battery goes dead. you got to drive the car. Um, last year, so now we have two girls there. There's two cars there. One car gets to come home. One car has to stay. And last year, Reagan had a friend that took her car to Chicago and drove it about every other day just to kind of keep it warm. This year, we bought a tarp to go over. Riley drew the short end of the stick. So we, we put a tarp over it, and we bundled it up, and we're hoping when they go back that the car is going to start. But the reality is it may not start. Because you got to drive a car. 
You got to start the engine. And the way that we start our engines every morning and is to divert daily, to start our day off with God, to spend time with Him. And if, if we're not spending time with Him and personal time with Him in a daily devotional time with Him, we're going to come to a place where we're just, we're not going to start. We're not going to run very well. So here's some ways that you can divert daily. One, I'm going to give you three examples today of some things that um, I, I found easy to do in my life. Heather and I found easy for us. There are three practical applications. One's the Bible app. I forgot to bring my phone up here today, but the Bible app, many of you have this on your phone. And you can download the Bible app. It's through Craig Rochelle's church in Oklahoma City. Every day they have a scripture of the day. Today is a scripture, if you look it up, uh, the daily word of today is, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, just recently, they started this new devotional. There's usually a person right next to it. You click on that person. They share a little three- or four-minute uh, devotional about that verse. And then there's even a written devotional that you can read. It takes all less than about six, seven minutes. And, and then it comes back, and there's a prayer to kind of pray for the day. There's even a kind of, how are you going to respond to this? And it kind of gives three options. I have found this, and we have found this to be just an easy, simple thing that's free. If you, have a, if you have a smartphone, you can easily download the Bible app. The second thing is uh, called Through the Word. The, through the Word is another app. And if you see something like that, it's from a pastor in California. And uh, it's going through one chapter a day through the Scriptures. You can pull out about anything. They almost have the whole Bible done if they don't have it done already. And you go through one chapter a day. You read the chapter and then, in fact, you can hit the play button, it'll read it for you. And, and you, you listen or you read the chapter, and then there's about a seven, eight-minute devotional that this pastor kind of unpacks this scripture. It's really easy, takes about, le- takes about 10 minutes of your day, but it just, it's a good way to start your engines and, and get you started. The last one is just a personal uh, a, a friendship out in a in um, California, Bayside Church, you've heard me talk about Ray Johnson before, but their church has, you hit the, you, you type refuel, uh, you text refuel to 56316, the number we used to have, you text refuel to 56316, and there's someone that comes on every day that gives about a five, six minute devotional. If any of these, have I gone too fast, or you're interested in them, see me afterwards. These are three apps that Heather and I love to use, and we like to mix it up and do different things, as you kind of you know, if you eat pizza all the time, we love pizza, but if you eat pizza all the time, you get tired of pizza. You want to eat something else, and so it's okay to do that. Right now, Heather, um, this has cost a little bit of money, but she's been um, doing this thing called She Reads Truth, and uh, we had an advent um, for the month of December, and now we started the book of John, and it's so good, even though it says she reads truth, the truth is applicable to me too, and so she's been reading these to me, and we've kind of been doing those together, but just some great things to divert daily, to start your engine, to get going the right direction. The second is to withdraw weekly. You know that every car, um, in fact, I remember my brother-in-law's first message on a Sunday night back in the early uh, 90s maybe 1990 or whatever. I remember his message for all the wrong reasons. Uh, it's usually the mistakes that we make. And he, he got up on a Sunday night. It was his very first message. And he told the congregation that on Sundays he gets gas. Everyone started laughing. He kept going on. He didn't under, understand why everyone was laughing at him. But what he meant was it, Sundays was the day that he took his car to the filling station and filled his car up with gas. 
but the way everyone else heard it was, he gets gas on Sunday. And he never understood till after the message and we all told him what he said, he didn't understand why everyone was laughing during the whole message and heard nothing else. But the reality is this, is church is a refueling station. This is where we refuel. This is where we fill up each week. It's where we gather as a church and as a body of believers to help us grow in our faith. We're all on different places in our journey. But being around the people of God, being around you, uh, hearing God's word, worshiping together, it's a way that we think of it as refueling your car once a week. And the last one is abandoned annually. And we know that you don't have to do an oil change every week. But about every, you know, three, five, 10,000 miles, depending on your car, every three or four months, you change the oil. In the same way, uh, it's good that we abandon annually. Vacations are good. A lot of you take them in the summer. Maybe some of you take it here in the wintertime. But a vacation, uh, there's purpose behind it. God uh, talks about a Sabbath rest once a week to take a break from our work and our labor so we can recharge the batteries. These are ways to come and rest in Jesus. Now, my day and week goes better when I put God first. When I, when I pray first, when I spend time in his word, my day and my week goes better. Not perfectly, it just goes better. And the thing about this coming to Jesus, it's not just for us and what we can get from it, but we should want this for others. Uh, Philip and Nathaniel, two of Jesus' disciples, when they were first called, Philip came to, to Nathaniel and said, Hey, I think, I've met, I think I met the Messiah. And Nathaniel's like, where's he from? He's like, he's from Nazareth. And he's like, is anything good come from Nazareth? It's, like, it's kind of like saying, is anything, you know, good come from, I'm not going to make up a town, I'll offend somebody, but um, Heather's from Mead. Is anything good come from Mead? Yes, Heather came from Mead. There's good things that come from Mead, Kansas. And, and Nathaniel's like, does anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. Come check it out for yourself. We don't want to just have our batters recharged but we want to see other people's batteries recharged. And so uh, we want to invite others to church to, 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 to come and see and be introduced to Jesus. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous person will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I saw so many of you on Christmas Eve refreshed and excited, waiting at the doors because you had invited guests. You had invited friends. You didn't want to just be refreshed yourselves. You wanted others to experience the joy of Christmas. You invited your friends. And I thought Pastor uh, uh, Aaron did a great job last week. If you watched online, we had an online-only message. But he asked this question. Who in your life could benefit from knowing Jesus? Who in your life in 2022 could benefit from knowing Jesus? And every single one of us knows someone that their life would be better and they would benefit if they knew how much Jesus loved them and the plans that he had for their life. So I just encourage you to continue to invite your friends. Don't just receive the invitation for yourself, but let others receive it. And here's what happens. Here's how important it is. Christmas Eve, in the first service, we had about a dozen hands go up that saying they wanted to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In the second service, we had about a half dozen hands go up. This is helping people change their lives to know that there's a God that loves them, that's crazy about them, that has better days ahead for them, that wants what's best for their lives. So I encourage you that. So the, the next three points aren't going to take as long, just to put you at ease a little bit. The, third, the second one is 
He says to take. Take from me. Um, around Christmas time, for the next week or two and for the last few days, everything I'm wearing, including today, has been given. It's been a gift. And fortunately, I've put them on, it, tried it on, they just, they just fit. Uh, I took, I, I took the gift, I, I took from others, and Jesus is like, would you just take this gift from me? Would you take, would you take me with you? Would you, would, would you just take from me? I love nothing more than to give you myself as a gift. And if you'll try me on, you'll find that I fit. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is like, try me on. Try me on for size. See how I fit. Some of you watching online or maybe here in the room here for the first time. Try Jesus on. See how he fits. See how the, the peace and the joy that he wants to bring to your life, the forgiveness that he wants to give you when you try him on. He says, you will find that my burden is light. You will find that Jesus fits. Here's the, the enemy's yoke for you, the devil's yoke for you. It's to distract you. It's to distract you from anything that's going to, to, to put the focus on him. Life is a burden, and there are burdens to carry. And I don't know how people carry these burdens without Jesus, without his yoke. What does that yoke mean? I, didn't, I thought it was, you know, growing up, I thought, what's, what's this egg conversation about? What are we talking about, these eggs thing? But as I grew up, I figured out what a yoke was. My dad tells a story about a man who left the hills of Kentucky. And uh, a story about a man that talked about when he grew up, he remembered being a little resentful of his dad because he was resentful that his dad made him pick up rocks in the fields. And they would have to pick up these rocks in the fields, put them in these buckets and take them over to the side of the road. And, and he had to do that every day. And he resented his dad that his dad made him work so hard. And when his dad's when he went back for his dad's funeral and they went into the old barn on that old farm, he noticed something he'd never noticed before. He noticed that this bucket, that there was a handle at the top and there, there was a handle at the bottom. And his dad had been carrying all the weight. He had been holding on to that bottom that bottom uh, lift or whatever. He'd been holding on to that handle that was at the bottom of the bucket where the weight was not that heavy. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. Yes, there are burdens to carry in this life. Yes, there are, there's hardships. Yes, there's things that we go through. But he's saying, you come to me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. I'm holding the heavy part of the handlebar, but I do want you to, to grab on. It's the way that you grab on to me. And then he says to learn from me. And I'm going to talk more about this next week, that, that home is a place to grow. Home is a place where we grow and become all that God wants us to be. But today, I just want to share something practical that you kind of heard about in our announcements today is I, we believe that Scripture speaks to everything, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is, is good for instruction, rebuke, for help. And uh, one of those places that God talks a lot about is money. And this time of year, after Christmas, there's so many that are just stressed to the hilt, uh, spent way more on those Christmas gifts, and there were America is way more in debt than 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 um, so much of us, and God has a, a plan for us for the burden not to be so heavy. 
He has a way for us, and the, one of the tools that we uh, share is from Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. And this is a great opportunity uh, for you to, 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 to come alongside God and to not be so, at the end of this year, to not be so stressed out, to not be so burdened by your finances, but actually do some things, some simple things to take control of your finances so that you're not left at this place of no peace. Any, Peace and finance don't usually go together. That's why this Financial Peace University is a great course, and uh, so many have already taken it. I know a single dad that's benefited from this in our church. It's really helped him. has done greatly. I know of a young couple in our church that's taken this class. I know of an older couple that's taken this class. Heather and I have taken this class, and uh, it's, it's greatly helped us. We took this about 10 years ago, Financial Peace University. And by the way, we believe in it so much that um, it costs $129 for the materials, but if you bought them in 25 of them, we could get them for $60. So our church has said, hey, we're going to buy 25 of them. They just have to be used in this next year. So we're going to teach, we're going to facilitate some Financial Peace University. I don't facilitate it or teach it. It's a layman in our church, Barry Wall, a great guy in our church, a business guy in our church. He's going to facilitate this, um, I believe it's an eight-week course um, that will take place on Wednesday night starting January 19th. Um, simply text the word HUTCH to 94000 and then hit Financial Peace and it will walk you through how to get signed up. And so it's a great deal. Uh, $60, you're going you're gonna to get that back uh, in the first week or two, just the debt that you're going to start paying off and the freedom. And when you start getting a little bit of hope, when you get a little bit of hope, just a little bit, 10%, it changes everything. And when you start seeing things change in your life, you, it, it, we're just excited about this, and uh, we want to offer it to our people because we want to see you uh, have peace in your financial life and freedom in your, in your finances. And finally, uh, the last one, he said, and you will find. Some people try to find themselves. And in ourselves, when we, when we go looking for ourselves in ourselves, we, find, we go looking for pleasure, possessions, position, power. And those things many times, most times, just end in shame, suffering, sorrow, self-destruction. But in Jesus, you find rest for your soul. This is an invitation Jesus says, come to me. If you'll try me on, if you'll learn from me, you're going to find rest for your souls. Who doesn't want rest? Not a not a fall asleep, not a, I mean, those, that's, that's good, that's physical rest, but a rest that we, we have a, a freedom in our spirit, we have a peace in our souls. I believe this, that if we'll find ways to rest, restore, and recharge our spiritual batteries this year, that we're all going to be more encouraged. Who doesn't want more encouragement in their life? Who doesn't want to live with more encouragement? Who doesn't want to give more encouragement? That happens when we come to Christ. When we, when we, when we divert daily, when we withdraw weekly, when we abandon annually, when we, when we get a plan for our finances, when we do things God's way to help us to walk in a way that has freedom and peace and it will help us to stay encouraged. Because I believe this. This is again from my pastor friend Ray. I learned this about 10, 11 years ago that what my number one job as a pastor is. And uh, I used to think it was to preach or to pray, um, to come alongside families or whatever it may be. 
And he's been doing this. He's 70 years old now. He's been doing this for years. He said, my number one job as a pastor, which by the way is all of your number one jobs as well too. He says, my number one job is to stay encouraged. That's your number one job and that's not my number one job is to stay encouraged. And we can't stay encouraged if we're not coming to Christ, if we're not diverting daily with him, if we're not a withdrawing weekly with him, if we're not abandoning annually, if we're not giving him and, and, and learning from him and growing him. And why is it so important to stay encouraged? Sounds kind of selfish, doesn't it? If I'm not encouraged, I can't be the husband I need to be. I can't be the father I need to be. I can't be the pastor I need to be. Because if I'm not encouraged, I can't encourage Heather. I can't encourage my girls. I can't encourage you. I can't encourage others, and the same is true for you. If you're not encouraged, you can't encourage others. And God wants us to share the hope and encouragement that he has for us in Christ. And if we're not diverting and, and taking intentional time and spending time with him, you, we, we need to find ways, and the ways that we stay encouraged is to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. I'm so, we didn't spend a lot of time there, but I'm so thankful that we serve a God that is humble and gentle. So many people get this wrong idea of God. They think God's this mean God with a magnifying glass like he's trying to burn an ant, just waiting for you to mess up. No, God's, God's waiting to pick you up. When you fall down, He's humble. He's gentle. He, he sent his son to, to die on a cross to take our place so that he could pay the penalty of sin and death for us so that, we, yes, we'll die in this life, but we don't have to die an eternal death, but we can spend eternity with him if we will come to him and, and we'll, we'll learn from him, we'll, we'll take from him, and we'll find rest from our souls. We'll find a God that is, that is gentle, that is humble. It's one of the reasons I love our Embrace Grace ministry. This ministry that ministers to young single moms with unplanned pregnancies and they come to church and they think they're gonna be judged, they think they're gonna be condemned and the reason it's called Embrace Grace is because we want them to know God's best days are ahead for them, that God's got a plan for this child, he's got a plan for them. And it's been some of the most rewarding things our church has done is to see God, uh, uh, that embrace grace unleashed in our, in our lives and our people. God is not what we expect him to be when we come to him. He's gentle, he's humble, and he wants to give you rest for your soul. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, as we start this new year, 2022, a year that none of us know what lies ahead of us. Lord, I pray in this quiet moment, we don't do very well with quiet. I don't do very well with quiet. But Lord, would you, as we start this year of 2022, would you help us by faith to receive this invitation to come to you, to take from you, to, to try you on, 
to learn from you. And that we'll find that we'll find a God that is humble and gentle, who loves us, who has our best days ahead for us as we put our faith and our trust in you. Would you be with my friends that are in this room that are watching online, each in our own way as we just say, God, I come to you this morning. I'm going to start my year off with you today. I'm going to try you on today. Thank you for the invitation that you've given us. And Lord, help us to receive your invitation so that we can have the peace, the joy, the love, the fullness of life that you want to give each and every one of us. Lord, we love you today. We praise you. Lord, help us as we go from this place, even though it's cold outside, help the warmth of our our hearts knowing you that we'll share that, Lord, this year with others in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning.